Welcome to the pulpit ministry of Christ Community Church in South Florida, aiming to make, mature, and multiply disciples by preaching and teaching God's Word based on the sufficiency of Scripture. And now, let's join our preacher for the message. Hey guys, good morning. I hope everyone's had a blessed, blessed uh, Thanksgiving, a time of uh, thankfulness, a time to reflect with family loved ones. Um, I also hope that by now you're no longer eating any Thanksgiving leftovers. I hope that uh, you are content that all of that is done and gone. Uh, My rule is the day after leftovers, they taste great. They taste even better than the first day. But after that, I think we're we're pushing it. So no more gobble gobble, guys. No more gobble gobble. so uh, today, like Pastor Bernie mentioned, we're going to continue in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Um, and I have to tell you, and I don't know about you, uh, but the timing of this book uh, being preached at our church, uh, it's just been perfect, right? It's just been perfect. And obviously now we just went through Thanksgiving, a time of reflection, and now we're going into uh, some of the upcoming uh, holidays. Uh, but for me, it's been very, very encouraging, and I hope that you have been encouraged as well thus far um, as it relates to being joyful um, and rejoicing. Um, so today we hope to close out Philippians and continue to unpack what Paul wants to teach us about contentment in this closing statement uh, to the Philippian church. And uh, the title of this message is very simple, Three Keys to Contentment. Three Keys to Contentment. Tell your neighbor, hey, I have the keys. I have the keys. Tell your neighbor, I have the keys. So we will pick up in verse 10 where we see Paul rejoicing. And again, as a reminder and for context, because sometimes we just forget, but Paul's just so amazing. Paul speaking to us from a jail in Rome in house arrest, 24-7 lockdown, right? And we start in verse 10 where he's saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. So only Paul, right? He's saying, I rejoice. But not only is he rejoicing, he's rejoicing greatly. And like I said, he's speaking to us from from a self. And he's showing his expression for the gift that he's receiving from the Philippians. He's telling them, hey, it's been a minute at length. But you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So at first, when you read this text, you may wonder, is Paul being a complainer here? Is Paul acting a bit dissatisfied? Is he complaining about then taking a while at length for them to bless him? But he clarified by saying no. You were indeed concerned for me. You just didn't have the opportunity. And for background to this verse, it's been about 10 years uh, that have passed since Paul was last in Philippi. And you can read all this in Acts 16 where it talks about what happened during his first visit there where he meets a businesswoman named Lydia, preaches to her, baptizes her, she converts, and then therefore they start the church. Paul continues his ministry and the church grows and they actually help fund them into future ministry. So Paul's not surprised with the blessing from the church as they have funded him in the past. However, 
He is showing his contentment by saying, hey, I know you were concerned. You just didn't have the opportunity. And this type of opportunity that speaking is referring to kairos, a reference to a season or window, a period of time. He's saying it was not the right season. In other words, you were willing and ready, but the right time had not yet come. When he tells them, you have revived your love. That's an expression to revive, to bloom again. As you know, things that bloom are seasonal. And they only come at the right time, at the right season. The season had not come until now. And Paul had a patient confidence in God. And this is the first key to unlock contentment. Tell your neighbor, I have the keys. Someone's got the key on this side. The first key to unlock contentment is to stand firm and ready. Stand firm and ready. Although Paul was in jail, he was standing firm. He was not trying to escape. He was not panicking. In fact, crazy Paul, Paul was rejoicing. And, you know, in fact, uh, Pastor B preached on this uh, new, uh, you know, Pastor B preached on this a couple back when, Paul was glorifying God in his time during his cell time. He was relying on God's sovereign providence and timing. Brother Ralph, so what is God's sovereign providence? Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, verses 8 through 10, that has this beautiful illustration and reminder of God's sovereignty. It says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. You transgressors, remember that the former things are old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from beginning. That's his sovereignty. And from ancient times, things yet not done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Providence will over everything. Paul was content to do without because he was standing firm. And waiting on God's timing. The question is, how do we deal with waiting and trusting in God's timing when it comes to discontentment? What does our posture look like when we're waiting? Are we even able to stay still and wait? I know I struggle with it, especially now with my work situation and looking for work. I'm getting angsty. Are we trying to figure things out on our own strength and merit? When things don't go our way, when discontentment creeps in, are we standing firm? Are we holding our ground? And behind me, I'll, I'll have a slide of a, uh, a Napoleonic uh, formation. Um, guys know me that I like wars and all that stuff. And, and I like the wars not because of... Uh, the fighting scene or, or, or the blood and all that or the things exploding. I just enjoy war movies uh, because of their tactics, right? And my wife and I, we just saw the, the Napoleon movie on Friday. And I'm fascinated by the war tactics. Or I'm fascinated by, by the formation of the squadron and how they have to be very precise and wait for the right time to attack their opposition, their enemy, right? So this is the whole strategy that goes uh, Behind that, especially when you're being outnumbered, when you're feeling overwhelmed. 
And you see the captain telling them, telling their commander, wait on my signal. Stay firm. Stay ready. Yes, we see the opposition coming. Things are not going as planned. Wait and hold your ground. You see thousands of soldiers heading your way. Then right before it's too late, they attack at the right time. And you're also in formation, and you're also in battle. And in, in the spiritual battle daily, the battles are long. Our battles are long. We're in a spiritual battle. Our battles are long. And we discussed this at length during our men's shepherd group as we started, studied the armor of God. We are all soldiers in a battalion of the body of Christ. Our general is the one who leads us. Our general is Christ. What happens when we stand firm and wait? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be worried. They shall walk and not faint. When we stand firm on God, our strength is renewed. When we stand firm on God, when things don't go our way, we can push forward. To hold our formation in the battlefield, we have to train to be able to do that. While Paul was in jail, he prayed to God. He worshiped to God. How was Paul able to pray and worship to God in these circumstances? How is this possible? And he even says, and back to the text in verse 11, it says, not that I'm speaking of being in need. So he's saying, hey, I just want to clarify. My joy, my contentment is not coming from your blessings. It's not coming from the need. It's not coming from your gift. My needs are being taken care of. When we stand firm, we pause and shift our focus to God. Our posture changes because now we're standing and waiting to be led by our commander, Christ. And I say this phrase, stand firm and ready, because when you're in a battle formation, you're not just standing. You're ready for what's coming at you. And it's important I share this. This term of, of readiness is crucial when it comes to contentment in our walk in Christ. We discussed some of it a few weeks back as it relates to our tithing and giving joyfully and being ready for that. And not to get sidetracked. But having a posture of readiness can also apply to unlocking your contentment in life. When we're standing firm in a position of readiness as believers to honor God, that means that we are committed in our walk in Christ and depends, and that depends on our spiritual discipline. If you're really committed in your walk in, in, in Christ, you are really honing in in your spiritual discipline. That means that as the body of Christ, we ought to be we have to desire and have the readiness to pray at any given time. We have to have the desire and readiness to serve at any given time. We have to have the desire and readiness to preach the gospel and share our testimony at any given time. That's a posture of readiness. We spoke last week about protecting our mind and how when we watch the news, we have bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. Guess what? We have the good news. Christ Community Church, when we focus on readiness to honor Christ, you have no room for discontentment. 
the focus, the shift from the me and the I shifts to God. When you are constantly applying yourself as a soldier with the spiritual discipline, you have no room for the I. There is no room for discontent. And again, Paul was praying and worshiping. His focus was not on his situation. His focus was on God. And how is it that he can remain uh, hopeful with this? Let's go to the second key to unlock contentment. Can someone say, I have the keys? They got it over there. The second key is to trust God, trust in him. Paul remained hopeful because he trusted. He believed. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. It says, in him I have obtained an inheritance, having pre been predestined, set apart, that's you and I, hopefully, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, his sovereignty, so that we who were the first hope in Christ might to be praise of his glory. In him, we have an inheritance. In him, we have a promise. In him, we have a covenant. By him, we're set apart. When we focus on that, there's no room for discontentment. So what should our posture look like when standing firm? We ought to focus on Christ. Napoleon's soldiers, they basically signed up for a suicide mission, but they trusted in him to stand firm in the middle of adversity. There was no discontentment. As the body of Christ, we need to understand when discontentment arises, we need to trust God. Let's go back to the text, and we're still in verse 11, y'all. Second part of verse 11, it says, So I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. What is Paul telling us? Tell your neighbor, I have learned. I have learned. He's saying, hey, I appreciate the gifts, but I'm not coveting the gift. Paul had the wisdom. He had the spiritual maturity to separate his needs from his want. When we stand firm and trust in God, it allows for clarity. Do not confuse your needs versus your wants. That's a big recipe for discontent. Don't keep up with the Joneses. I always joke in my house. My wife is always like, I have to go to Walmart. She's like, I need to go to Walmart. I was like, no, no, no. You may want to go to Walmart, but you don't need to go to Walmart, right? My Starbucks, uh, where's my Starbucks fam? Guys over here, Starbucks, raise your hand. You may, you might, I need to go. You really don't have to go to Starbucks and, and pay $2 for coffee, right? <laughs> the crazy part is that it's hardly ever I need to join prayer, right? Is it ever I need to fast? To be in the spirit. Is it ever, I need to check on my brothers and sisters in Christ. Please somebody say yes, lie to me, please. And I say this because our attitude should be the opposite of the culture of this world. Our desires and needs should be opposite to the world. We just spoke about how we are to be set apart. And again, I'm not bashing Walmart or Starbucks. But if we're treating it as a need versus a want, that's a problem. We spoke last week as far as we live in a highly materialistic culture that everything is a need more, I want more, and you'll never be asked, hey, I, I want to downsize. Downsize my meal. No, it's always more, more, more. And the sad part is that today we're not content with little or much. 
We're never content. If you have little, you complain you want more. And if you have enough, you still want more. If you own your home, if you don't own a home, you want to buy a home. If you own one home, you want a bigger home or you want to buy a second home. We're at the point that our luxuries have become a need. But Paul reminds us this to learn the following. And he says this in verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And we have to take notice of, of this test because he's saying, you know, we're looking at this pattern. He's saying, I have learned. I have learned to be brought low. I have learned to have plenty. I have learned the secret. What is Paul talking about? And I just paused myself when I was reading this text, but he just kept saying, I have learned, I have learned. And I just took a step back, and I was like, all right, well, let me look up the definition of learning. Definition of learning says, the acquisition of knowledge or skills through experience, study, or of being taught. So learning is a process. It doesn't just happen. And you're like, all right, Brother Rob, so what does this have to do with the message? Acquiring skills through experience or study. Let's see. What kind of experience can we acquire? What kind of experience can we gain from fellowshipping one another? What kind of experience can we gain from encouraging one another to study or acquire knowledge? Hey, what about the study of God's word and his promises? We're always preaching, eat Bible. What about the skill of prayer? Paul is saying, I have learned. We know that God is powerful and all knowing that, and he can do anything at any given time as he pleases. He is God. But this mention of Paul, I have learned, has to do with his spiritual maturity. A mature believer can endure stuff. I think about Pastor George when he was going through COVID. I'm pretty sure he learned some stuff through that challenge. Or even Pastor Bernie when we had to be hospitalized. I'm pretty sure he learned some stuff. Like we said, Paul not only prayed and worshiped in jail, but he learned and has gone through some stuff. He's been jailed multiple times for preaching the gospel. And that is why he's able to stand firm, trust, and grow in God. And this is the third key to unlock contentment. Someone say, I have the keys. They still got it over there, y'all. I don't know about here. <laughs> growing Christ, growing in Christ is a major key to, deal, to dealing with discontentment. Growing in Christ. And it's interesting that, you know, he had to learn to abound. He had to learn the secrets of facing plenty or abundance. Most of us, hey, we might want to have that problem. But he's also into something when he's speaking of being content in all these situations. And Pastor Bernie preached on this in Philippians 3. He spoke when he says, counting all as the rubbish and loss in order that he might gain Christ. When we have nothing, we despair. When we have plenty, we forget about God. Let me say that again. When we have nothing, we're in despair. But when we have plenty, plentiful, a lot of times we forget about 
God. Both of these things speak to the idols, the idols in our hearts. We seek after things other than Jesus. Paul is seeking after Christ alone. All other things fade away, and it's his contentment is simple. It's simple. It's just his obedience to God who gives and takes away. He's been able to learn contentment because he has stood in the valley. And this is what allows him to live in such a manner that he tells us in verse 16, hey, I can do all things through him who strengthened me. And you guys know this, this verse is a very quotable verse, social media, you can hashtag it, whatever you want. I can do all things through him who strengthened me. And this is talking more about endurance than a miracle. Paul by himself can't do miracles. But when he's sustained by what you know or whom you know, you can stand firm. Our physical abilities can only do but so much. We're going to get tired, folks. We're going to get very tired. This is a long journey. Bernie shared with me a, a great resource book on, on how to handle anxiety attacks and applying scripture by John MacArthur. And he uses a great analogy of a, a pacemaker. The way a pacemaker works is when your heart is no longer working, it kicks in. When your heart can go no more, it gives you strength. When we grow in Christ, God operates as a pacemaker. When our physical abilities can't go no more, when they come to an end, he can provide strength. When you're tired of praying, God kicks in and gives hope. When you're, when you're tired of standing firm, he can renew your strength. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. When our human abilities can't carry no more, Christ can. But here's the big wrench in the middle. This is what typically happens. When things get hard in our marriage, we're discontent, raising our kids, we're discontent, we have different anxieties, discontent comes creeping, we're not turning to Christ. We're not in our readiness mode. Our pride kicks in, and it consumes our mind. Bernie preached a lot about this last week, protecting your mind. Then you start having these thoughts, I'm a failure, I can't do it, I'm no good, I, 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 I. That's pride. The minute you're starting with I, that is your pride kicking in at its best. That is sin at its best. When you're going through the valley, that is the best time to hand it over to God. Depend on him to see you through it. Not to take you out of the situation, to see you through it, because that's where the growth begins. Going through the battle of discontentment, that's where we grow spiritually. And I can, I mean, this is speaking to me directly, right? I, I can tell you, uh, shoot, when I received the call back in August, right? It was 9.37. I'll never forget, 9.37, Monday morning, I get a call. I was, hey, we're letting you go. 
or they use hey, we're, they use the term separated. That's the term they use, separated. I was getting separated from my job. Seven years of, of hard work. And I was not a happy camper. You know. Bernie preached on rejoice. Couldn't rejoice. I went through a roller coaster ride of emotions that week. I was shocked. I was upset. I was bitter. I was blaming everyone. Asking myself, why me? How could they do this to me? What does this separation mean? I built this, right? I, I built this business for them, and, and now they're getting all the benefits, and, and they're, they're exiting me out, you know? They're, they're taking me out. I was like, uh, I, I thought about uh, Denzel in, in training day where he's like, you're doing this to me? I'm putting cases on all you, right? I was bitter. I was bitter about the situation. I was not able to rejoice. I'm sorry. I was not rejoicing at that time. I was discontent. I was not trusting on the Lord. I was solely leaning on me, my understanding. I was unhappy. And as the week went on, I went from wanting some kind of revenge. I don't know what I was going to do to just sitting on the floor in the, in the middle of the night. I don't even know if my wife or kids know this, but I was just in the middle of the night, just in the kitchen crying, just crying, asking the Lord, pleading to the Lord to guide me, grown 40-year-old men just crying. And, and sometimes we need to get to that point when you're dealing with discontentment, to let go. And that same night, God's reminded me of when this same opportunity came to us, when it was available seven years ago, seven years when I got this position, he reminded me of, of the favor he gave me to receive that role. He reminded me of the sweetness of his perfect Timing and how much we needed that opportunity at that time with a growing family. Emily was just born. Alexa was on the way. It was just the perfect time. And he just reminded me of his provision and his sovereignty over our lives. Later in the week, I'm still struggling and, and I'm watching TV and I come across uh, Animal Planet. I don't watch that regularly, but I just came across it. And uh, interestingly enough, they were, they were showing some birds, and it caught my attention because <laughs> it's talking about the, the mama bird separates from the child. And there's that word, separation. I can't, I hate that word, right? <laughs> so they're saying that uh, mama birds, and this is, I'm, I'm assuming it's not all birds, but in this case, it's saying that mama birds, when the birds hatch, they separate themselves from their newborn so that they can grow and learn and stand on their own two feet and survive. They do this so that their, their, their babies can survive. And I share this to say that God is a giver. He's a sovereign God. He gives. He takes away. And there may be time where we're content with something. And God needs to separate us from something. This may be a, a relationship. In my case, it was 
a job or an opportunity. It may be something that triggers you to sin. He might need to separate you. He might need to rescue you from a certain uh, situation so that you can grow in him. There are times where he may place you in a valley of discontentment so that you can lean on him so that you know it's not long, no longer on your own strength or merit. Like I said, you might have to get out of a certain circle of friends or relationships, especially for the young folks in the room. God wants to preserve you. And you may be discontent about that because you don't understand it. But we need to grow and learn in Christ to get through it. And after I had my, my pity party by myself and I surrendered my discontent to the Lord, he's been able to shift my dis, the discontentment in my heart with contentment. In the time of contentment, I've been blessed to draw near him. Now I have moments where I can't explain them to you. I really can't, other than the fact that I just laugh and giggle. There's no one around me. I'm by myself. There's no one telling me something funny. I'm not watching anything. I'm just laughing and giggling, and sometimes I can't even control it. Can't even control it. But all I know is that God is in control. I have one more check left from my, from my separation package, right? <laughs> and all I know is to pray and do. All I can do is trust God. And listen, we, we can encourage you. We can tell you, rejoice. We can tell you that, right? But we can't expect you to be joyful and have contentment if you're not in Christ. In order to find contentment, in order to deal with contentment in life, in order to deal with setbacks, disappointment, we, we, we have this vision that, that life is a one, two, three step. I, I get, uh, I just laugh when I talk to younger people. Like I talk to my brother, I have a, a, a 25-year-old brother. He's 25, I don't even know. I know he's way younger than me. And I can't even tell him anything. He's got it all figured out. I mean, he has step one through ten. He's got it. I was talking to Monica's sister, Veronica, and she's talking about finances. And she's like, yeah, we're planning to retire at 40. I'm like, yeah, come to me in a couple years when you start having kids. They got it all figured out, right? But to find contentment, we need to stand firm, grow in Christ, and trust in Christ. Our discontentment is rooted in our selfish desires. Check your idols. Our sinful desires. God is in control, not you or I. Lay these things at the foot of the cross. Do a self-examination. What am I idolizing? What is replacing my time with God? That's only between you and God. We can come here and look apart. But you know, you know the time, your commitment. You know where God stands in your life. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek Christ alone. 
And the Lord will be faithful to satisfy your longing and teach you the same secrets he taught Paul. And this is the ongoing theme with this book in Philippians is that God is the only one. Only God can turn your discontent to joyfulness. And we've mentioned this before in another message, and I'll close with this. Some of us live our lives by this phrase, life is too short. Live it up. Explore. Do this. Do that. And you'll find yourself going through discontent after discontent after discontent, trying to feel that joy, that emptiness of happiness. Fulfill all your cravings. But mature believers, those whom he called and set apart, those who grow in Christ, mature believers live their lives opposite to the culture that we live by. We live alive knowing that eternity is forever and we ought to prepare for it. And if you find yourself not living for eternity and you're realizing that this world is just full of discontent, that true joy comes from God, come to one of the pastors and we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for this sweet time, Lord, with your word, Lord, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that you've given us, Lord, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you have set us apart, Lord, not to serve this world, Lord, Father God, but to serve you, Lord, to honor you, Lord, Father with everything, Lord, with all our might, with all our soul, Lord, Father God. Speak to us, Lord, Father God. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, Lord, Father God, so that we may see where we are in our relationship with you, Lord. Help us, Lord. We need you, Lord. Help us plead to you, Lord, Father God. Help us understand the severity of where we may be, Lord. Give us clarity, Lord, Father God. If need to, separate us, Lord, Father God. If need to, put us in the valley, Lord, Father God, so that we can draw near you, Lord, Father God. So we have needs that are praying daily, Lord. We ask you, Lord, for your mercy. We ask you, Lord, for your grace, Lord, Father God. And we're thankful for this reminder today, Lord, Father God, to trust in you, Lord, Father God, to grow in you, Lord, Father God, and to stand firm as we walk in Christ in this journey, Lord, temporarily, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ Community Church is a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, and Bible-centered body of believers who love God and love people by making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information on us and to learn how to give towards our media ministry, please go to our website at www.christcomchurch.org. That's christcomchurch.com.org. And look for the Giving tab at the top of the homepage.